I'm reading Psalm 144, verses 1 to 15. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle, my loving kindness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield and the one in whom I take refuge, who subdues my people under me. Lord, what is man that you take knowledge of him, or son of man that you are mindful of him? Man is like a breath, his days are like a passing shadow. Bow down your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains, and they shall smoke. Flashing forth lightning, and scatter them. Shoot out your arrows, and destroy them. Stretch out your hand from above. Rescue me, and deliver me out of great waters. From the hands of foreigners, whose mouths speak lying words, and whose hand, right hand is a right hand of falsehood. I will sing a new song to you, O God. A harp on, of ten strings, I will sing praises to you. The one who gives salvation to kings, who delivers David, his servant, from the deadly sword. Rescue me and deliver me from the hand of foreigners, whose mouth speaks, word, li, speaks lying words, and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. That our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth, that our daughters may be as pillars sculpted in palace style, that our barns may be full, supplying all kinds of produce, that our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our fields, that our oxen may be well laden, that there be no breaking or going in or going out, that there may, may be no outcry in our streets. Happy are the people who are in such a state. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Amen. Thanks, Richard. Yeah, thank you, Lord, for your word. It's quick, it's powerful, it's sharp, and Lord, it divides between the lie and the truth in our lives. So we're just praying this morning that we would just be open to your spirit to hear what you're saying to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's love the end of that psalm that, that was just read, you know, like, Happy are those people, you know, and, and I think about that in terms of our salvation, you know, as I think about our walk with God, and, and this is so important, shouldn't it be joyful? Shouldn't it be happy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice one. A bit louder, please. No. <laughs> but, but it should, right? There should be this joy in, in what we do. And, and I was looking through some of the, the scriptures about joy and how we get our joy. And I was thinking about preaching on that today, but I'm sort of going to link in with last week instead about the serving and serving the Lord with joy. Because one of the, the verses that came to me so many times was serve the Lord with joy and gladness. And I was thinking, how many people don't do that? Like, they don't really serve the Lord with any joy at all. It's like a real hardship, you know, like to actually serve Him. And and just as I read through about the different things that lead to joy in our life, there is some pretty common threads. One is like being in God's presence. Like that's where joy is, you know, in his presence is joy evermore. His word brings joy to our life. Our salvation, the, the, the joy of our salvation. Just even thinking about that, like how we can often just sort of think, oh yeah, Jesus saved me, but really isn't that a joyful thing? Like I was going to hell, I'm not anymore, thank you Jesus. I was trapped in sin, I'm not anymore, thank you Jesus. 
The, the joy that comes from being saved should be incredible. Like to think that it's not just, you know, this mythical thing that we're walking in, but there's, there's a God who saved us and brought peace and joy and love and, and hope to our life. And yet so often we see such misery amongst people. And, and even the joy in, in just knowing who God is, the joy knowing that he's going to save us, that, that joy that should just be flooding our hearts every single day. And yet we know that there's trials in this earth. But then again, God talks about the Holy Spirit joy that's in our life, something that's beyond what we can see and understand and that in any circumstance, somehow the Holy Spirit grabs hold of us and this is another source of joy that we are filled with the Holy Spirit, guys. We're not left as orphans in this world, but God said, I've given you the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit speaks to your spirit and he lets us know that we're the sons and daughters of God. How joyful should that be? And in that psalm there, as, as Richard was reading, it's like, what's man? God, that you should even think of him. He's just a puff of smoke. He's just a breath. He's just a nothing, you know. And, and Jesus talked about it, about the lilies of the field, how they grow up and they're beautiful and then they die the next day. And a little bit, we're like that a little bit. In Ecclesiastes, it talks about it, our life being like a smoke, a vapor, it's gone. But yet in this life, God wants to bring you joy and he wants you to live in that joy and, and I just want to just encourage you in that area to think about that. If your walk's not joyful, that's not a God, God walk at all. And while the word brings us delight, it's because it starts to chisel us and shape us and form us into who we're meant to be and the other thing that brings us joy is obedience to his word. You know, like there's a lot of miserable Christians because they walk around not being obedient to God and how do you expect joy to be following you there because he's given us his word, his life, his love and so when we walk in it there's a sense of joy that comes to us because I guess the Holy Spirit's delighting inside of us as well, right? The, the Holy Spirit, the Bible talks about don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't make the Holy Spirit sad. Now if the Holy Spirit's living within us and there's a witness between the Holy Spirit and our spirit. Shouldn't it be only normal that when we're uh, not, obe not obeying God, when we're not listening to him, when we're not in fellowship with him, that there's this sadness that comes? But it's a grief that's a good grief that... <laughs> Charlie Brown, good grief. Um, but leads us to this place of joy because as we get rid of the things of this world that are not of God, there's a joy that comes, a salvation that we have should be lived out and David spoke about that in the Psalms he said restore to me the joy of my salvation why because he'd been disobedient and, and walked away from God but he was saying God I need this joy again I need this joy in my walk and you know what we have so much to be grateful for as Christians we, we do don't we like we're just like why aren't we celebrating wildly? There's, there's one psalm, I don't think I've, uh, I've written it down today, but when it was being written, the words are this, you thrill me, God. And I was like, you thrill me, God. Have you ever thought about God being thrilling? <laughs> like thinking about him and going, man, I am so thrilled. And when I think of thrilling, I'm thinking like, this is so exciting and amazing and and the adventure that I have with you, it's thrilling. You know, you don't go on a thrilling ride to be bored. You, know, you, don't, you do it because there's something in it 
this sense of adventure and, and life and life gift that's given to us. That's our life as Christians, eh? What a wildly happy bunch we should be. Um, back in the Old Testament, they found the law of God and they began to read it out and the people were weeping because they could just see that they needed to change and, and the words that were spoken to them, don't be downcast, don't be sad, because, but rather grab something to eat and invite those that have nothing and let's feast together because the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's pretty good, eh? And so often I think that we as Christians forget about this feasting before God and the joy that comes from Him and celebrating wildly what we have. You know, I love, there's, uh, there's so many good, good things. <laughs> Ecclesiastes talks about it, and I'm going to go back into that next week, I think. But, you know, even some of the tithes back in, in the day, because there wasn't just one tithe, there's lots of different tithes and things that happened in the Old Testament. But one of them was this, and I want to do this one day here, like, so you listen and we'll do this next year. One of the tithes that said, when you bring your tithe into the storehouse, you're just going to feast. You're going to take whatever you bring in, the animals, the, the food and everything, you're going to come together and you're just going to eat it. <laughs> Have a big party. Isn't that amazing? That, that God's like, let's celebrate. Let's look for an excuse to enjoy God, to to take delight in life and, and just really enjoy it. And yeah, and the other one in Ecclesiastes, which I, I love and I say it all the time, but it says, eat your food with joy, drink your wine, dress up in fine linen, put on some cologne and go out, have a good meal. And, and sometimes I think that as Christians, we feel that we can't enjoy life. Anyway, that's not even really what I'm talking about. <laughs> We're talking about serving again. And that joy in serving, serving the Lord with joy and gladness. Because I honestly think that we can serve the Lord and not serve him well. We allow our life to be miserable in service to the Lord. And um, I just wanted to go through a few verses and we're going to link back to some of the other verses that we looked at over the last few weeks. One of them when we were talking about repenting and, and how God gives us the will and desire in our heart to do what's right okay so there's this is a holy spirit driven thing we need to make sure we're holy spirit driven the other one is about the giftings which i talked about last week and i was just encouraging us not to listen to those who who tell us settle down don't show off the gifts the talents you have to how we sometimes pull back because of what people say to us about what we're doing and we're like i can't possibly do that well or else i'll be proud but as I said, pride is not an action, it's a heart thing. You can be proud and also lousy at something, by the way. And so it's like getting this whole sense that I'm actually meant to be living out my best life for him. Why am I holding back on my gifts, my talents, what God has given me in the body of Christ or in the greater world, whatever it might be, that I'm holding back because I'm afraid of what people might say, what they might think about me. And we were talking a lot about jealousy last week and and as i said no one is jealous of failure it's always of success and there's this heart that's wanting what they don't have and we're like that sometimes with people and if maybe if i just pull them down like i said in india they have the pictures of the crabs and they talk about it being like a crab in a bucket and as soon as one's climbing out the other crabs grab it and pull it down let's make sure 
that they're not celebrated. And I thought about it this week. I was talking with Matt and uh, just about a footy game. I said, you know, there's a whole lot of people that are in a football team and a game that take part. You know, you think about the players, they're out on the field, the coaches, the coaching staff, but then there's also the people that are just members or people that sit in the crowd. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. At a game of football, if you talk to the football players, they're like, we love it. There's some people cheering us on. And I was thinking, isn't it funny, like, say State of Origin comes on and, you know, this big rugby league game and you go for Queensland and, as usual, they've won again. And you get to work and you say, we won on the weekend. And you give it to the opposition player who goes for New South Wales. We won. You're like, we won. You did nothing. You sat on your lounge and watched TV and ate chips and drank some Coke. But somehow you won. And I'm thinking, isn't that what it should be like for us in our Christian life? When we see someone winning, shouldn't we be cheering and mind going, man, you're doing awesome. That was great message, great music, great hospitality, great children's church, great just turning up. <laughs> Whatever it might be, but there's this sense that, that sometimes we sort of pull ourselves apart from the body and we tend to criticise rather than congratulate. And it's like, come on, guys. If we see someone winning, if we see someone kicking goals, we don't get jealous. Oh, well, you know, I could have spoken a better word than them. Why are they up there? I can read the scriptures better than that guy. Why, why aren't I up there? We should be celebrating. Because we're all taking part. Even if we're sitting in the crowd, you know, we're like, that is awesome. Praying for other people, working with other people, celebrating their success. And so then it comes around to this. How do I serve the Lord? And first of all, do you even serve the Lord? That's, that's the first question in, in whatever area of life it might be. Are you living out your life for him? Now specifically I'm talking about within the body, what are you doing? How am I serving people? Because really when you think of it, even if you're leading something, I was thinking about that in terms of like what Jesus said, and it shouldn't be like how many leaders you got in your church, it should be how many servants you got in your church because isn't the greatest amongst you meant to be the one that serves others? And it's this different heart that we're meant to have as Christians. Now, we all struggle with it at times. There's been times when you feel like you've been called into God's service, you, you put your name down for something or you're going out in the street or whatever it is at your workplace, I'm doing this for Jesus, but then you get all discouraged. And what happens is we somehow allow our joy of service to be stolen from us. And the last verse, or the last verse we're going to look at today just shows how serious God takes us serving him with joy and gladness. It's almost scary. But when we look at that verse, I want you to remember this. We've been redeemed from the curse of the Lord because Jesus fulfilled all righteousness. He became the curse on the cross. Well, I'm saying that because when we get to that last verse, it's actually, if you take it, it's pretty heavy. But I want to bring it in because it shows us how important it is to God that we are serving him, but not just serving him. We are serving him with joy and with gladness. So let's have firstly a look at Romans chapter 12. And we're going to look at verse 8 to 11, I think. So you'll see the first bit there, just a reminder of, of what we looked at last week, actually. If your gift is in to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership, ability, take the responsibility seriously. If, you have a, if your gift 
If you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't, and this is where we're starting to change. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honouring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. So we're linking this back to what has God given you. Remember how I said, do it the best you can, but then it's also asking us to work enthusiastically. Now, that's tough, right? Do you find that tough sometimes? Because sometimes you're just not that enthused by what you're doing. (laughs) And yet, we're being encouraged to take what God has given us and actually press into it and enjoy it. Press into it and enjoy it. We'll talk about a few things. Okay, next verse. Passage, sorry. Romans 14. Okay. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, what attitude? Joy in the Holy Spirit. You will please God and others will approve of you too. It's interesting that, that, that when we do work for God, it's not just that we're pleasing God, but others will notice it too. There's some people in this church that are an amazing example to me. I, I do think of my mum and dad. When I see them, they, I've never heard them complain about serving God ever, about doing anything ever. Colin and Dorothy Brown, they're legends. They're sitting here in the congregation over there. I'll point them out. <laughs> they would hate that so much. But it's not just them either, right? But, but they're just some people that I look up to, admire and respect. There's a lot my age and just a little bit older, say about 40, that, <laughs> that I admire and see work enthusiastically. People up here on the stage, the Sunday school, every, there's lots of people that do it. But, but to me, I never hear them complain. And they're older than me. So they've got a lot to complain about. <laughs> but there's this enthusiasm and, and it's so inspiring when you see people living for God that way. Now I want to say that we do allow our joy in service to be stolen sometimes and sometimes I guess it's stolen from us, from, from the way circumstances are or whatever it might be. There's no doubt throughout your life there's been times when you've been serving God and you're not joyful. Is that only me? Because I can guarantee that's been me at times. Where you're just like, this is hard work. Um, and, and you give in to some of these things that I'm about to talk about in terms of serving. And what we're about to talk about is relevant to your workplace and everything as well. Because this is about you. And so while we're looking at this, remember also that, yes, there are circumstances that can steal your joy, there's bosses that can steal your joy, but we're dealing with us today, right? So always remember that. Yes, you're not always fully responsible for everything that happens in your life, but let's have a look at how either as leaders of something or people who are serving, how sometimes our joy can be taken. And just have a think about it. You don't have to agree or anything like that. But just sit and have a little think about these things. All right, let's get our first 
lot up. Oh, sorry. This is about the joy again. Sorry from the Holy Spirit. I just wanted to point this out that even Jesus needed that, right? Jesus needed the joy of the Holy Spirit. The believers were filled with the joy and the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. So the first thing I would say is if you do not allow yourself to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you will not serve well. Because these fruits are not going to be evident in what you do. All right, does that make sense? We need to make sure, first of all, as we're serving, that we are in close relationship with God because as soon as we pull away from that, our service becomes very flesh-driven and we're not actually really working to please God. So let's have a look at a few of the things that, that may be in your life. Number one, you're serving men first, not God first. Why do I say that? Because if you are serving men first, it means that you are serving according to how they make you feel, not out of a reverence for God. If you're losing joy in service, you've lost sight of God. You've lost sight that he is who we work for. You know, like when the Bible talks about it, it says that, that we're to work as though we're pleasing God, not man. Our ultimate aim is to please God, not man. As soon as we begin to try and please man with everything we do, we find out very quickly that we please one person, but the other person isn't pleased with what we do. And so then we'll try and change that. And so, well, now they're pleased. They're not pleased anymore. And then there's a third person. And they want something different from me. And, and we're not pleasing anybody. So our first thing is to work for God and not for man. You're working from obligation, not love. In other words, this is just an obligation on fulfilling a duty. And when we looked at those verses before, it talked about how, how we're to honour each other and, and, and serve one another. And you can't do that well without love, can you? One of the things that I always think about as a pastor, and because I've heard pastors honestly in the past, that, that I'm like, they talk about their church and the people in their church, and I'm like, do you even love these guys? The way you speak about them makes me think you don't even love this congregation that you're leading. And, and if you don't love, how can you serve properly? If you read through what love is all about, it's patient, kind, and you know it's um, generous to other people. It believes the best of people. It suffers long. It you know, esteems others highly. If you're serving... Without love, it will be difficult, it will be hard, and you will lack joy. Then you're wanting your expectations met, and when they're not, you're upset. I don't know how many times I've, I've met this, that people have an expectation of a person that's leading them, or the other way around, where you've got an expectation of someone else, and it's not met. Have you ever noticed that even in your own relationships, friendships, husbands and wives, that sometimes... Your wife doesn't meet the expectations that you have of her. Your husband doesn't meet the expectations you have of him. Your friend doesn't meet the expectations. And sometimes we put these unrealistic expectations on other people and we let that determine our joy. We're expecting them to do this. We're expecting them to give us support. We're expecting them to, to do whatever it is. Now, I understand that sometimes 
their reasonable expectations. But the thing is, when I think about it, if I was expecting something from someone else, for them to fulfill my joy and my happiness and do everything I ask them to, I don't understand their life. I don't know what their life's like and I'm expecting stuff sometimes that's unrealistic. And so when we do that, we lose our joy and you're upset. You're like, well, they didn't do this and they didn't do that. I've got this expectation of them and so therefore I'm losing my joy over it. You don't understand the benefit of salvation. I think I talked about that before. You just don't understand how precious the salvation that you have really is. If you did, you wouldn't even complain or argue. You'd just go, absolutely. Next slide. Do you think everyone else should join you? So you get discouraged or quit when they don't. (laughs) That's a common one too. So many times I've heard people, they'll come to me and say, man, I want to do this and da-da-da-da-da, let's get going, let's get cracking, I've got this word from the Lord and I feel like this is what God wants me to do. They do it for a week or two and no one's joining them in this quest that God's given them and they're like, well, that's it, I give up. No one else cares, I'm just giving up. They're all slack, lazy and useless and they're not doing what I've been called to do. Imagine that, was it little red hen? Is that it? Little redhead story? Where, the, where she went through and made the cake and no one was helping her? <laughs> Kicking little was the sky falling. Little red hen was making a cake, I think. That's the right story. And went past everyone and said, oh, can you come and help me? Nah, I can't be bothered. At the end, she still made the cake. Remember Jimmy Carter when he was talking about building homes for Habitats for Humanity? He was being interviewed and this is basically what he said. I'm going to build houses. If anyone wants to come and join me, they're welcome. And so he wasn't put off by the fact that no one was supporting him or giving him the get-go or doing what he asked or giving everything to his cause. He's saying, I don't care, this is what I'm called to do, I'm doing it. And I feel that sometimes we lose our joy because we're expecting everyone else to do what we want. And we've been called to something, and if they're not doing it, then that's it, I quit. Well, that was a very strong call from the Lord, wasn't it? I just give up. This is what God told me to do, but no one else is doing it. God, I give up. What about Moses? Walked out of Egypt, and all the people did was complain and argue and and come against him. You know what Moses did when God said, I'm going to destroy all those people, and I'm going to build a new nation out of you, Moses? He said, no. Don't you, don't you do that, God. I want them to come with me and, and also your presence. I want that too. Come with me. Well, imagine Jesus as well, waiting for everyone to support him and, and carry out his duty, whatever it might be. If that was the case, the cross never would have happened. From what I can read in the Bible, in that last day, everyone deserted him. There's a few people following, but that, that walk to the cross was very lonely, but he understood the cost, and he understood the benefit, which was our salvation. And the thing is, like, what, I, what, I, <laughs> what, I, what I've learned for myself is this, because I used to be a little bit like that. I'd be a bit discouraged. 
You know, you'd go, okay, let, someone else would want to have a prayer meeting for a start. Let's do an early prayer meeting. This is in the old days. We really need to do that. Okay, no worries, let's support it. We go along. And after a while, they're not there. And you're like, okay, but I'm still here. And you get a bit discouraged and think, well, what's the point? But what I've come to, to be like now is this, that if no one else comes, I'm going to have a whale of a time. <laughs> I don't enjoy it. I ain't a love. I ain't a live in the, the love of God while I'm here and I'm just going to love it because I know this is what God wants me to do. You don't become dependent on others. You demand the right conditions before you sow. In other words, I will do it when all my conditions are met. Ecclesiastes talks about it like the farmer. It says if, you, if you're just waiting for the perfect conditions, guess which day that's going to happen? <laughs> Never. And sometimes we feel like we're just waiting for the perfect conditions, you know, when our kids are this age, when we've got this much money, when, you know, I've got the right job, when it's right in order. Actually, when they get their act together, then I'll join in and help. And we're waiting for that right condition. We lose our joy. In fact, we never even serve in the first place there. The next one, because just you're scared of conflict, so you quit, so you don't have to sort it out. I don't know how many times I've seen this through all of life. There's a problem. Rather than go and talk about it, and let's see if we can fix it, let's see we've got a difference of opinion. Can we come together? And now, especially as Christians, shouldn't that be done in love? We don't really understand each other's, well, it could be the expectations, it could be whatever it is where there's confusion, and rather than go, we've got a problem, can we talk about it? We go, I just quit. Friendships, I just quit. Problem at work, I just quit. Or even worse than that, I just talk about the problem with that person to everyone else. And I just lose this joy of my salvation, I lose the joy of service because I'm scared of conflict. Whatever reason it might be, now, no one should love conflict. We get that right. But there's times when people just carry this burden and there's a problem for so long, and I've seen it everywhere I've been. There's big problems, but the boss never knew about it until they walked out the door. And you know what? A lot of the times, and especially, hopefully, amongst us as Christians, shouldn't there be that boldness to go, hey, I'm having trouble, you know, like... I'm not really understanding what you're doing. Can you help me understand? I'm frustrated. I've actually got so much on my plate and I just can't stand it. And doing this is just putting added pressure on me and the person that's looking after you said, I didn't even know that. Why don't you tell me? Go. Stop. For now, stop. But we're all afraid of how we'll look and maybe we do conflict badly. But that will make you quit. Next one. You allow the voice of others' complaints to stop you. Now let's tell you something now. There will always be somebody complaining about you. There will always be somebody complaining about how you did something. There's always someone who has a better way of doing things and they want to make sure, and this is part of jealousy as well, not always, but part of jealousy, and so you stop. God's called me to do this, but your complaint, someone's complaint, and it's hurt my feelings. And so I just, I'm just going to quit. I'm not going to serve the Lord anymore. I don't care because nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. 
<laughs> you love to be the martyr and or be recognised for what you do. In other words, your service is not genuine. Your service is actually about yourself. No one's thanked me. No one's delighted in my magnificence today. Oh, and I'm so good. I've worked so hard and, and this heaviness of serving the Lord. <laughs> Anyone ever been there? Come on. <laughs> yeah, we have, eh? Serving the Lord is not about your recognition. Serving the Lord is about gratefulness to him for what he's done and also walking in the love that God has given you. But we make it so often about us, don't we? Or it could be, again, back to that, no one's helping me, but we don't even see what everyone else is doing. We don't know what they do during the week. We don't know how much they serve elsewhere, but we're just, we live in our own little bubble and we love ourselves. We're so egocentric. It's all about me. And yet those who love Christ have to become like Christ the one who the Bible says he gave up everything that he had in glory and he came down to live amongst men. He came to serve, not to be served. Jesus did not come so that he could be recognised, but he was. Greatness came to him through the Lord. The last one there that I've just put, and there, I mean, there could be a hundred other things, but I just want you to think about it because I'm sure that at times you go through all these things you think that you're responsible for everything so it all becomes overwhelming you know the great commission have, have we ever talked about that before go into all the world make disciples sometimes we tend to take things on as though everything's our responsibility I have to do everything or it won't get done Sometimes that's true. <laughs> but we take even the great commission and we're like, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations and we take it as though it's my personal responsibility. I've got to go and save all nations and so even evangelism becomes overwhelming. It's like I can't serve him in that because I've got to save the whole world. It's my duty. Saddle up, off we go, save the world. But who was Jesus speaking to? Speaking to the disciples, but even further than that, he was saying to the church, the body, that you, as in yous, are to go into the whole world. And sometimes we take responsibility for everything, thinking that we are responsible for everything, but we're not. And, and that steals the joy because the thing that God's asking us to do, we don't do it well at all. We're too busy doing all this stuff that God actually didn't want you to do that's outside of your gifting, outside of your calling, outside of God, what God wants you to do. And I think that's part of the problem is if we aren't all serving one another, what does that make the body? It makes it dysfunctional. As I said, if, if my foot isn't here, I walk with a limp. And it's no different in the body of Christ when we, we don't all take this responsibility to serve God. In whatever area that he's called us to do, the body walks with a limp. 
But the more we can get our body together, the more we're serving one another, the more we're serving the Lord, what happens? The body functions better. So let's go on to our next one. It's a verse in Philippians, I think. Is that right? 2.13 to 15. Going back to God working in us, giving us the desire and the power to do what pleases him. <laughs> Remember, go back to God. Without him, nothing works. But then we get this bit of a verse which is terrible. I don't know who put that in the Bible. Do everything without complaining and arguing. <laughs> Seriously? my right kids listen to your parents what they say do it without complaining and arguing why so that no one can criticize you live clean innocent lives as children of God shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people this is a challenge isn't it I find that a challenge there sometimes I actually challenge myself and I'll say right O'Neill today your challenge is this, you are not to, how do you say, criticise anything <laughs> today. <laughs> or complain. Not allowed to complain about anything. Because I'll be sitting there in front of the TV, oh, they're stupid. You know, like, they're saying rubbish. Or, you know, what's wrong at Macca's? They should be wiping down all the tables. Where are they? <laughs> And I challenge myself, and it's really interesting because you realise how much of a complainer you really are. <laughs> like, all right, today, today's challenge, don't complain. And it's like, oh, okay, tomorrow's challenge, you won't complain. <laughs> Without arguing. You know what it's like when, you, when someone's serving you and all they do is argue? You've got a worker, and all they do is argue with you. You're like, hey, can you go and do this? Oh, yeah, but it's better to do it this way and we could do that and this and that and the other. And Can you just do what you're asked? There's a bigger plan. There's a bigger picture. Sometimes you might even be right, but you don't argue, you talk about it. But there's some people that doesn't matter what you do, they have got a better way. And all they want to do is argue. They're so tiring they're so exhausting because it's like you're trying to get a job done and certainly any boss would know that if they've had a worker like that. All you're doing is putting out this fire all day. Can you just stop it? <laughs> and here's our last one. This is our kicker because I just wanted to show you how, how serious God takes it, just so we understand. The Deuteronomy, what is it? Deuteronomy? Deuteronomy 28. So if, if you're familiar with the Bible, which you might be, you might not, this is in the Old Testament, and there's a whole passage here on blessings and cursings from God, and basically it says, if you do what I say, all these blessings come. If you don't, all these curses come. Now, they're not going to come on you. Why? Because Jesus fulfilled all righteousness. He became the curse for you, and God's released you into this period of grace to live for him. But look at that. If you do not serve the Lord your God with joy and enthusiasm for the abundant benefits you have received. Why is this in the blessings and cursings? I don't know. It doesn't seem like a serious thing to me. You will serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you. You will be left hungry, thirsty, naked and lacking in everything. The Lord will put an iron yoke on your neck, oppressing you harshly until he has destroyed you. <laughs> is anyone else reading that going... Okay. 
Let's take that one off. We don't like that one. Why, why did I think that should go up there? I just want you to question yourself. <laughs> Are you serving the Lord with joy and enthusiasm? There are things that take your joy. Now, most of them are self-driven. Because the Bible talks about that even in suffering we have joy if we choose it. If we're really living in the Holy Spirit, even in those hard times, even when you are doing it by yourself, even when no one's joining you, even when your expectations aren't met. It doesn't affect you. Even when people criticise you. Because you're working for God. You're living your life for Him. And you find yourself free from men. Father God, I just thank you right now in Jesus' name for the love that you've shown us. Lord, as a people of God, <laughs> can you help us to remember the benefits of our salvation? Lord, we understand what this is really about. It's about saying, don't you understand how much I've given? And a response of gratefulness to that. This morning I'm praying that our hearts would be grateful Lord, that if we're serving you, that it wouldn't just be with expectation or obligation, but Father God, it would be with enthusiasm and with joy. Lord, help us to let go of those other things and to walk into your righteousness in our life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.